Welcome to the Voyage LA podcast, where we interview the brightest and most inspiring entrepreneurs, artists, and creatives from in and around the LA area. Our host, Madison, is hosting a panel with a few of our content partners, and content partners help Voyage in so many ways, from sponsoring our mission, spreading the word about the work that we do, and collaborating with us on content like this. And so with no further ado, here's Madison. Hi, everyone. My name is Madison. I am so excited to be back with another episode of our podcast talking about brand building in the food and beverage space. I have three extremely talented business owners here with me today, and I would love to get started with some introductions. Hi, I'm Kelly Nolan. I'm the co-founder of Dancing Daughters Whiskey. We are based in San Diego, um, but selling all throughout California, and um, we just turned a year old. Amazing. Hi, I'm Angela. Um, I am based in Long Beach. I own an all-organic uh, cold-pressed juice bar called Salute Juice. Uh, we have two locations here, and we've been open as a brick and mortar since 2015, so going on eight years now. Amazing. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Brenna. I'm the owner of Saki High, Saki served in a can, and I'm based in Venice, California, and I import everything from a family-owned brewery in Kyoto, Japan. Beautiful. Well, I, I guess I have to place some orders. I don't know if you guys ship, but it sounds like I need to take a trip to California or place some online orders for some of these beverages. They all sound fantastic and right up my alley. I love that. Um, let's jump right in. Have you all always been called to a career in the food and beverage industry? What has that entrepreneurial journey been like for each of you? Whoever wants to go first, feel free to just jump right in. Um, I'm definitely an outsider um, to the beverage industry. I come from okay. sports and marketing. Love, Interesting. Like, yes, I love like doing events and doing tastings with people and really just like forming those relationships. But I did have family in Japan and, you know, we were talking about having sake all the time and just how everyone's drinking these low quality canned drinks in, in America and in California. And so I actually serendipitously met a brewery um through just randomly talking about it and i've been working with that brewery ever since and so now mm -hmm. we're just diving into the the alcohol space um but having a lot of fun and meeting a lot of people is there any overlap between like what you previously did in sports marketing and now having a beverage company do you feel like you could combine those passions in Honestly, the future, yeah, maybe? I think, totally i think um activations and sponsorships there's so much yeah. Similarities and really just like doing those, those um, sponsorships and planning them and executing them and making sure there's ROI on them and also talking to the right people yeah. and making it local, but organic. So definitely there's a ton of overlap and I'm definitely lucky to have the, the experience. Yeah. That's amazing. That's super awesome. Okay. I'll go next. Um, so I actually have a degree in history. My background is wow. more um, in that realm. And I was on my way to become a teacher, but, um, I started making juice for my family. Um, when my dad, my dad got sick, a couple, um, well, I guess it's been 12 years now, but, um, anyway, so I don't really have a background in beverages, uh, but I was a waitress before that. So I went from waitressing, uh, graduated college was supposed to go into my teaching career and then pivoted to juice. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it's been a journey. I, I will say my background has helped in the fact that I've been able to be because health and nutrition, there's, a, there's, you have to be careful because there's fads. And so um, having like a research-based background has helped me because I've been able to interesting more like scholarly information when it comes to nutrition, instead of just like this article that says, you know, X, Y, Z about yeah. some 
happening. So that's helped. But wow. Yeah. Teacher turned entrepreneur yeah. juicer. That's that's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my turn. So yeah, I actually have a sports marketing background too. And, um, and digital marketing is actually my full-time job. So there's a lot of crossover with that and trying to build brand awareness of my company that um, is still so new, but um, yeah, it was a crazy pivot <laughs> that just an idea that turned into a side gig and um, it's, it's just been a passion project really. Yeah. That's amazing. How have you each been able to build out your own unique brands or businesses surrounding your passion for the beverage industry? Do we go the same loop? <laughs> However, yeah, whatever flows naturally, feel free. That means same. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I think what's making our beverage so unique is just that people have never seen it in a can. So we're taking something right. that has recognition because people have sake all the time um, at sushi and at certain different types of restaurants. And, but we're kind of like making it more approachable um, yes. in both taste, taste profile, and also in our branding, um, making it seem like you can take it to the beach, take it hiking. Like we saw it at golf courses, you know, just really taking it out of what you're used to. Um, and also making sure that the flavor profile is approachable to someone who's ever had sake And also good enough and and pretty high quality um, that someone who's obsessed with sake, our sake lovers um, actually really enjoy it as well. Yeah. I love that. That's actually, that's, that's something I would like to add on Um, making something that's approachable is hard. Mm. Um, And in my realm um, it's, you know, I'm trying to make something that's healthy, but um, also accessible and somebody that can come in and isn't like a health nut will still think it tastes delicious. And that's, yes, well, it's difficult. So you have to start hiding greens and hiding root, uh, beets for some reason, people don't like beets I've noticed. So hiding those in juices has been a real, um, challenge, but also kind of fun. It's kind of fun to be like, Oh, (laughs) that person who said he hates beets just drank that whole bottle and had no idea, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think accessibility is another big thing. Um, making sure that you're not just, you're not just addressing like the health nuts, the people that are going to be drinking the juice, no matter what you're addressing people who are new to it or scared of it. Or, you know, a lot of, what I've realized is a lot of times people hear juice and they just think gross, like it's disgusting. And, you know, we're trying to change that. Um, or even like vegan, the word vegan, people are like, I don't eat vegan. I don't know what that means. Vegan is just vegetables and fruit. So, you know, for me, I'm like, well, we can prove to you that this is an accessible thing that you can eat. So, yeah. So on that note, I will say trying to make something that's respectably healthy, but also tastes good is difficult. Yeah, for sure. I am admittedly a very picky eater. So if like beets to absolutely terrify me. But if it was <laughs> hidden in a juice and it exactly. tasted really good and there was no, it didn't taste like beets, tasted like apple and pineapple and right. I, whatever other amazing things you cover it up with, that's how I would get my beets. And I probably need to find a good juice place to help me get more vegetables in because I am yeah. not going to get that. okay everyone's on their own journey (laughs) yes i love i'm on the other side of the spectrum i'm obsessed with anything with beet juice in it so Uh. (laughs) that's so funny you either love it or you hate it but i've definitely turned people on to beets like they said they would never try beets 
And then we give them a juice, like a small amount of beets. Then we work them up and it's been cool to watch people's palates change. Yes, definitely. How about you, Kelly? Our whiskey, we really wanted to make it approachable, like Brenna was saying, but we also just noticed that there was a crazy amount of um, masculine offerings in the whiskey. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I was always squeezing lemon into my whiskey just to cut that burn a little bit. Um, So when we made this, it's lemon flavored, but we also made sure that it didn't have that burn that I'm not a huge fan of so that people that are new to drinking whiskey are usually very surprised. Um, And so we're really trying to focus on that market of people that usually don't drink whiskey and introducing them to it with an easy entry, if you will. Um, And so that's sort of been our focus of, you know, where we're trying to get most of our business. I love that. Guys like it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So how often do you all drink your own product? Are you fans of your own product or do you ever get tired of it because you're around it so often? I'm just curious. I forget. I definitely forget that I, like my husband always jokes, like I'll bring juice home from him and he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is like a good thing. Like I get <laughs> so involved in the numbers and the, you know, the right. And I'm like, I can grab this and drink it. So yes. Yeah. I'm a purist. I'm always drinking my sake like all the time. But I think what's so cool about it is it's so versatile. So like it's obviously in a can. We also do bottles. Um, but even on the can, you can like mix it into cocktails. You can do like pomegranate juice, hibiscus tea, like swap Ooh. it in your martinis. You know, there's so many options, but you'll always see me. You'll see me always drinking it either like straight from the can or over ice in a wine glass. I love that. I have mine pretty frequently at night too. Um, I'm off wine these days because I was having really bad headaches the next day from that. And the sulfates in it weren't great for me. So um, I could have the whiskey and not have that same fog the next day. So it's my go-to drink at night. That's amazing. And something you should feel proud of too, each of you, like this is your brand, your product, you get to enjoy that and know how your customers feel too. That's beautiful. Well, the beverage industry seems like from an outsider's perspective, like myself, it might be a little bit oversaturated what sets you and your brand apart from others and other competitors in your industry um i think it's funny with like over like saturated products when you go into whole foods and everything but i always compare it to influencers right there's so many influencers and they each have their following like just like um that like in the beverage world like everyone has different tastes everyone has like things that they're into, you know, like some people are obsessed with like Japanese products like sake and like, we'll see it right away. Others are just so obsessed with the better for you alcohol. So they like, don't want that grogginess. They don't want the sulfites or whatever yeah. that's in the line. So they'll go to sake. So I just think it's having that like better for you, a lot of like pure um, ingredients and simple ingredients and just having something that's really not going to give you the hangover the next day. Like that's going to make you stand out. And then I also think our logo is something that you can totally remember, you know, there's some yes. like coastal like cans in the, in the beer department or even the canned wine department, you know, and like our birds all about like flying high out of your comfort zone. You're meeting new people. You're pairing the sake with things that you've never had before, like burgers, pizza. So really just having that, that brand um, engagement as well. Love that. That's definitely something that I, I always tell my employees like it's a, it's a bonus that our juice tastes good, but people are not come. People are coming in because it makes them happy. 
Mm. So we could potentially have like subpar juice, but if our brand makes them happy and it makes them feel a certain way, they're going to buy it no matter what. But like I said, it's a good thing that we have a premium product. And, and I kind of learned that from like bigger brands, you know, like I look at Nike and I'm like, this is a black t-shirt with a swoosh on it. Why am I, why are people paying $45 for it? You know? Right. But it's the way the brand makes them feel. It's the lifestyle. It's what it represents. Yeah. And so for us, we really try to focus on happiness, which sounds cheesy, but like when people come in, I'm like, it's a strong high and it's a strong buy. You know, when you, when they come in, it's a hi, how you doing? And when they leave, it's a bye, see you later. And people feel really welcomed yep. in our environment. And people have said that to us like, oh, it feels so good in here. It feels so, you know, happy. And we try to make sure our, cust- our employees are happy. And so, yeah, so aside from the product itself, which, you know, for us, we're certified organic, we're in all glass bottles, we compost all of our pulp. So people can come in because they feel proud of that. But it's also just that feeling like Brenna was saying with the influencers, you know, you follow the influencer that makes you feel good and inspired. Yeah. And I think that is more than anything. What, what helps a brand become weird right. to another brand is how yeah. it makes you feel really Definitely. We were just talking about that on an episode this morning, actually, on how in 2023, people are willing to pay more for an experience. Mm. They don't want to just buy a drink. They want to feel something when they have that drink or they want to feel something when they book that hair appointment or they go to that dentist office or they shop at the grocery store whatever that may look like, whatever the, the businesses that they're supporting, they want to have a feeling they want something that's memorable, whether that's the packaging or the interaction with the staff, the clientele, whoever. People are over just the transactional aspect of the past. They want, they want things to be more personalized. And it sounds like you will have really amazing, incredible personalized brands that help create connections with your customers. I think it's also like with all of us, it's like, who's making the juice, who's making the whiskey, who's making the sake, like that yeah. process is so important. And yeah, really want to feel that way. And I think that's why there's so many like liquor brands and juice brands, like people want to be connected. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, is it my turn? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's super difficult to stand out and um, get those eyeballs, I think with any industry, but um you know, we're, as we go, we're kind of tweaking things where, you know, we're women owned and that's a little bit more rare in the liquor industry. And, uh, and, um, with the whiskey, it is a little bit different, um, that it's flavored too. And that's a trend that we're focusing on right now, but we also have pretty good nutritional value. So that's, I think going to be the next phase of our brand messaging is focusing on that. Um, but it's a work in progress. Definitely. As with all things. (laughs) My next question is describe the best meal or drink you ever had and what made it so memorable. Who wants to start this one? (laughs) I have a story. Yeah, go for it. I think um, it was in New York and it was at a restaurant. Like we had planned out the trip. So like, down to the minute and then one night we just walked into a restaurant without a reservation not researching it and so we didn't have like any expectations going into it and um, it was an Italian restaurant and the food was delicious but they brought out this ricotta cheesecake at the end that just like blew my mind and 
I still think about it all the time. Yes. Drinks wise, um, I recently just tried a paper plane that's made with Aperol and um, I'm not a big Aperol fan, but it was really good. So I'd say that'd be my recent surprise drink that I really liked. I love that. I'm a huge Aperol girl. It's definitely not for everybody, but that is my cocktail of choice. I actually have an Aperol spritz glass tattooed on my arm. I know you can't see it, but I have two <laughs> two full sleeves of tattoos, including an Aperol spritz girl. So if somebody could make an Aperol spritz in a can, like mm. maybe I need to talk to Brenna about that. I would love to hop into that business market. But I, I love what you said, Kelly, about you had everything planned out down to the minute and then you just like randomly walked up to a place and it was one of the most memorable meals you've ever had. I'm such a planner myself. And sometimes the last minute, like spontaneous places like, oh, actually they didn't get our reservation and now they're full. We need to find somewhere else to eat. Oh, here's this hole in the wall place or this teeny tiny little mom and pop shop. Those are always such more memorable experiences for me, especially when I travel. I, I always cherish those memories a lot more than than the bigger, fancier, crazy places. Yeah, same. Okay, well, I I am not a foodie. I will eat. <laughs> I feel like that's why I have a juice bar. It was like I needed something efficient that would just get the nutrients in because I don't ever want to think about food. Yes. And I unfortunately married somebody who is exactly the same way where we would just rather <laughs> draw on something and drink it. So it's hard because for me, I, when I saw that question, I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to say? But I do remember I went to this place in Mexico called Acre. Um, it's um, I guess it's like a resort. Um, there's like a pool and they have like tree house. It's very like experiential, but yeah. they built it around their farms. It's a couple of Canadian guys and they had farms first. So everything's farm to table. And I do remember for the first time, I can't even tell you what I ate because that's how much of a foodie I'm not. But I do remember <laughs> being like, I could taste the freshness. I could taste every ingredient in it. Um, yeah. Something that's very simple where you can taste every single thing that's in it. Yep. And I will say, I, you know, I keep going back to this, but like, I don't know if it was the food that was great or the experience because we were in Mexico mm. and Oasis and all that. But, but yeah, that's, that's the best I can say. And then the best drink I ever had. <laughs> is in Austin. Um, it was a Mexican martini. I had never had anything like it Ooh. and it was delicious. It's, what is uh, that? Um, it is tequila, agave, lime juice. I'm looking at my husband. He's cleaning our Airbnb while I sit here <laughs> he makes them, and he makes them for me. It's a margarita. Okay. Yeah. Like, so it's crossed with a martini. So it's like, it's Ooh. lime juice, olive juice, agave, tequila, and Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier. Thank you. Okay, that's enough. Don't worry. Yum. <laughs> yeah. And it tastes amazing so much so that my husband asked them for the recipe so he can start making it for me. I had never had anything like it and I can't find them in California. People don't know how to make them, but yeah. Mexican martini so freaking good. Love that. Yeah. It's like just enough sweet and just enough tart. Oh, yep. I want one tonight. <laughs> um, similarly for me, I think it's definitely like all about the experience and everything. And listening to your guys' stories. I mean, honestly, the first thing that came to mind was the origin story of Saki High. Mm. Um, my sister was in Japan, like I said, for many years. So she has a huge, strong like community of expats um, in, in Japan. And when my partner and I flew out there, we were skiing in the mountains of Nozawa, which is this really cool, like Aussie-inspired like ski town in Japan. Super like horrible skiing, but amazing <laughs> people. 
And we were at this, like, basically like an authentic, like hibachi night. And we were with 15 people around the table and our chefs cooking for us and everything was so amazing. But I really just think like the sake was flowing, the new conversations, meeting new people, like everyone was just having the best time of their life. And the only thing I can remember that night in terms of the menu was garlic fried rice, which is obviously best food in the world. So, uh, but it was so incredible. And I actually, I always like bring our sake high, like origin story um, into a lot of my meetings because it just, it really represents who we are. We really want people to connect. Sake gets you like flirty and chatty, we say, and really like promotes conversation and meeting new people. And so we, we really love leaning into that. I love that. What a beautiful story. I, I fostering community like that over food and drinks, like th- there's, there's nothing like that. It's a great way to connect with people. There's, there's nothing that can replace that. Well, my final question, I know this wasn't on my list, but I'm just curious for my own personal interest, what trends might the beverage industry see in the remainder of 2023? Mm. I would say non-alcs big in the, in the liquor. Yeah, definitely. Here, I've seen a lot of non-alc wine Um, down the street from me in Venice is um, the new bar, which is all non-alcoholic spirits, wines, drinks. So definitely keep your eye out for that too. I would love a non-alcoholic alternative to Aperol as well. I don't know if that's something out there. Maybe I need to. I I bet you they have the the new bar. They have every single brand possible. We do not have anything like that in Texas. Like we need to bring this, this sober, curious, dry lifestyle to Texas. I would love that. Yeah. You'll start seeing them soon. Hopefully. We were going to do a dry bar at my store because I was thinking, oh, I should start like serving alcohol. People always come in thinking we're a bar and we were going to do a dry bar like last year. No, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It was right before the pandemic and then we shut down. So we couldn't, mm. but maybe, maybe I'll do a dry bar. Yeah. Connect with this owner too. Like she's, she knows her stuff and I'm sure we'll connect you with the right brands. Yeah. New bar. So yeah. They're called. Okay, cool. Love that. I was going to say the ready to drink canned cocktails aren't going anywhere. Mm. Um, we've even looked into it on our end. Um, it's, it's hard to get the shelf space, I think, but it's definitely a trend that's not going anywhere. It's so popular. Yeah. yeah. Man, this is planting a seed in my mind. I'm like, maybe I need to expand into this industry. I don't know. I've been, I've been kind of looking for my, my next, like, I don't want to say hobby, but like my next passion project, I'm, I'm ready for something to something else to take on. I'm going to graduate from school in two weeks and I'm like, I'm ready to do the next thing. And maybe that is coming up with something in this industry. I don't know. Bring it, bring it to Texas. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm a big dreamer. So I'm always like, oh, let me reel it back down to earth a little bit. But I said, oh. dial it back. Keep it in the sky. Yeah, I love that Kelly Kelly said like the word passion project because I don't think any of us like we're trying to start a business at least and so I think all of us just fall into all of our laps because we're passionate about it so I think that's so important I wasn't born an entrepreneur that's for sure and it's been such a fun journey yes definitely well thank you all so much for the wonderful conversation this afternoon so great getting to connect and next time I am in California I will absolutely 
come check out your product offerings. Um, stop by your stores or or pick it up at a at a grocery store somewhere, wherever I can, a liquor store, and and support your business. I think that's so wonderful what you're doing, and I'm just excited to see how you continue to expand this year. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course.